0: This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio.
1: October 20 edition, full week seven preview. Quick look back at Thursday night, though. Got a couple more things I want to say. PFT Live, the morning show that we do, radio TV. We covered a lot of the stuff, a lot of the crap, a lot of the things that needed to be said in the aftermath of what was, I think, the best game of the year so far. I'm going to start using that label recklessly. Anytime there's a really good game, I'm just going to call it the best game of the year so far. Because we do overreact, right? We overreact. And I'm going to keep overreacting. Although I don't think it's an overreaction that last night's game was the best game of the year. And I'll say the same thing the next time I double game the best game of the year. Some unfinished business on Marshawn Lynch. He could be fined. He will be fined. For making contact with an official. First offense is something in the neighborhood of 6,000. Or 3,000. Let me try that again. He could be fined. Will be fined For making contact with an official. First offense is in the range of 30,000. Another 6,000 or so for leaving the bench area. During a skirmish. The league did not rule out a suspension. I'd be surprised. Because he was ejected and missed half of a game. Now if you would throw a punch deliberately at an official, that would be different. But this was a shove of someone who was shoving him, and he tried to take it back during the shove. I'd be shocked if he gets suspended. And the Raiders got it done without him. You have to ask yourself, how much do the Raiders really need him? He's on pace for 608 rushing yards this season. That is very unmarshawn like And in hindsight, they probably wish they'd just simply drafted a guy around 3, 4, 5, wherever, if you do a good job of scouting, you can find someone. Kareem Hunt, for example. But there are others. I don't think the Chiefs really knew Kareem Hunt was going to be as good as he is. It's hard to project what anyone's going to do at the next level. But it seems to be, you know, with running backs, there are so many guys that can move the chains at Division One programs. FCS, FBS, F-whatever-S. If you block for them... If you can trust them to hold on to the football when grown men are trying to rip it out of their hands, and if you trust them to pick up the blitz and pass protection, you can draft them in round one, round two, round seven, not drafted at all. And look at Hunt, first touch of his NFL career. He fumbled and it's worked out fine for him since then. Will it work out fine for Marshawn and the Raiders? Who knows? They got the win. They're three and four. They got a long way to go. And I don't think one big win changes everything. I don't think that it necessarily propels the Raiders toward some sort of a of a special season. They, they got a lot of work to do. Now let's take a quick look at what they have coming up. They, they go to Buffalo. They go to Miami. By week. They play the Patriots in Mexico City. And then they return home to face the Broncos November 26th. They got a long way to go. They got five weeks until they come back to Denver. Hopefully, the fans in Oakland enjoy what they saw last night because it's going to be a while. This next five weeks is going to be a little, a little dress rehearsal for forever once the Raiders move or until they move back to Oakland at some point down the road. The end of the game last night, and stats gave me a hard time during PFT Live, and I had to remind him. It's my show, and I'll talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. And that applies even more strongly now, because I, I don't got to deal with him on this. That's one of my favorite things about the PFTPM podcast, and I hope he's listening to this. Stats, I don't got to deal with you. And I'm sure he's thinking, well, I don't have to deal with him either. I wish I could do a good stats impersonation. I don't know his voice isn't real conducive to impersonating. He's just, he's conducive to making fun of. And, and, and a lot of it is shtick. But when he tries to tell me what to talk about on my own show, it's not stick or shtick or any other word that I would use there. The Jared Cook non-touchdown was a touchdown, then ruled not a touchdown. I wrote about this today. And it's amazing to me how many people think that you can freeze frame that play while he's going to the ground with the ball pinned against his the chest plate of his shoulder pads with his right hand. His butt hits, the ball's not in. But that's not the end of it. He's rolling into the end zone. If he's juggling that ball at all, the catch isn't completed at the point where his butt hits the ground and the ball is pinned against his chest. The catch is completed once he's completed the catch. And I gave some examples, like if he rolled over and the ball squirts out, it's no catch. If the ball pops up in the air once he rolls into the end zone and then he catches it, it's clearly a catch and it's clearly a touchdown. This one is, when did the catch become a catch? And more importantly, and this is what I'm struggling with, and I think Al Riveron, former official, and I think he's struggling with this transition to a procedure that was put in place specifically for Dean Blandino. I, t- I haven't heard this, but my guess is the NFL probably is not happy with Fox for taking Dean Blandino away. And look, Blandino can leave whenever he wants to leave, and the NFL could have found ways to keep him in place. And they could have paid him more money or whatever. I don't know what discussions happened before he left, but this job was created for Blandino. And now Al Riveron's in that job. And Blandino was criticized plenty for having no on field officiating experience. I think that's good when it comes to being the guy who second guesses what officials do. Because I think Blandino's lack of experience as an official makes it more likely that he applies the right standard. I think Riveron is too tempted to say, how would I have ruled on this based upon what I see? That's not the standard. It has to be clearly and obviously wrong. So when the official looking right at Jared Cook rolling into the end zone with a little bit of, of movement of the ball, is it clear and obvious that the official who saw that was wrong to call it a touchdown, meaning that it was jostling around, that the catch wasn't completed when his butt hit the ground? That's the test. And I'm sensitive to this now because I'm confused in the aftermath of the Austin and jenkins play that we've talked about over and over and over again. Why are we talking about it? Because it was clearly a mistake to turn that touchdown into a touchback, clearly a mistake. And I don't expect Alberto Riveron to explain it. I don't expect him to send out the weekly officiating video and finally say, you know, I've watched this now a hundred times and I do agree that I misapplied the standard. You can't, you can't start down that path. You cannot do that because then in future cases, people will think that you're not, being appropriately authoritative and decisive. But this is one of the dangers of having the person who speaks on behalf of the league also be the person who has final say on these decisions if you're not going to apply the standard correctly. That's the problem. And NFL Films, to their credit, has a great segment from the Turning Point show. used to be on NBCSN. I think it's on NFL Films now, I think. Or not NFL Films. It's by NFL Films. It's on NFL Network, I think. They got a great segment looking at this Austin's Ferry and Jenkins play. And it's it's surprisingly objective considering that it is an NFL production. But I think that Riveron clearly got that one wrong. And now I'm watching for other instances of failure to apply the right standard. And I I, I think that he failed to apply the right standard last night. I think that Jared Cook touchdown should have stood and the Chiefs would have gotten the ball back with like 18 seconds what are they going to do with it what are they going to do with it? you never know and what we got was still very exciting with the play from the one and then the play from the 10 and then two untimed downs and the extra point that was a heck of a lot closer than anyone bothered to mention so great finish but that's something to remember going forward. One last thing on Marshawn Lynch, there was a comment statement made by Paul Gutierrez of ESPN.com that Lynch has only talked to reporters three times since joining the Raiders. I am surprised that no one has complained about that from the Oakland media, but I guess they realize with Lynch, who cares? Because we know what happens when they force him to talk. He just says, yep, or something. Non responsive. He's not afraid to give you non responsive answers. And I think these reporters are afraid to pick a fight with the guy. Because Marshawn Lynch is sufficiently beloved in the locker room that if the NFL starts finding him, you may have other guys who decide they're going to be minimally cooperative with the team. That was one of the concerns back when Lynch was was not talking to reporters in Seattle. The league did not want to push him too hard because the league didn't want other guys to choose not to be cooperative. And the league's position is, if you're willing to give non-responsive answers and generally be a jerk while you're answering these questions, that's fine. That's on you. We just require you to say something. You can, I guess you can quack like a duck if you want to, as long as you're there and you're being responsive. And it's significant because at a time when the league apparently isn't going to do anything to Marshawn Lynch and hasn't done anything to Marshawn Lynch, the league is at least looking into why Cam Newton has all of a sudden stopped speaking to reporters. Is there a connection between Newton clamming up and Jordan Rodrigue returning to the Panthers beat after she took some time off? And I don't know whether she took time off just to get out of the hot kitchen, whether the tweets that were dug up after this all came to light. And and it's a shameful. I don't like this practice of anytime anyone's involved in a controversy, we scour through their tweets and find something that they did that they should be criticized for because it's not like Jordan Rodrigue took on Cam Newton. She didn't ask for that. It could have been any female. So I don't know, was she suspended? Did she just decide to take some time off? But now she's back and Cam's not talking and it's weird. And it's another example of how no one in that organization can control Cam Newton. Either they can't or they won't. And this new controversy, not really as intense and not nearly as high profile as the last one. But, but this one is troubling. This one to me is more troubling. If he's deciding not to talk because she's back on the beat, I mean, when does it stop? Is this boycotting reporters until Jordan Rodriguez no longer covering the Panthers? Well, that's highly inappropriate if he's retaliating against her. Because she didn't do anything. She asked a question. And he's the one that gave the stupid answer to it, the clearly sexist answer. I mean, uh, unless he expected her to cover for him, and say he apologized when they had their conversation and he didn't apologize according to her. It's just weird. It's all very weird. And I don't know where it goes from here. Um, but it's something to keep an eye on. All right. So week seven is here. That's all I have to say about what happened Thursday and and, and the one connection between Marshawn Lynch and and the thing that's going on with Cam Newton. Let's talk about some of the Sunday games. And and I was, I you know, I thought about imposing on MDS today. I thought about trying to get a, desk, uh, a guest today. Let's just talk about the games that are coming. Because this could be a significant weekend. Most of the games are close. we got some good guests coming up, by the way. Von Miller, Travis Kelsey next week. Vernon Davis next week, I believe. Trying to get some more. Trying to pump this thing up with some guests. But you know, whatever, whatever we do, however we do it, the idea is to give you something on the way home from work or at night or, or just whatever you're doing. Maybe you work second shift and and you've got some time where you can listen to it on your, on your late afternoon dinner slash supper break or whatever they call it. But, but anyway, um, for today I decided just to do a preview of week seven because there are some good games. And let me start with the game that's going to be played in Buffalo. Because all week long it looked like Jameis Winston wasn't going to play. Now it looks like he is going to play. And I look, I, 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 I'm concerned he's going to be impaired with that shoulder injury. The AC joint sprain in his throwing shoulder. He wasn't able to practice Wednesday. He did some throwing Thursday. And apparently he did everything he needed to do today. He's going to be dealing with pain. And that pain may cause him... At the worst possible time to make a bad throw. And look, maybe this is the moment where, like last year when he had the handwritten note that he gave to all of his teammates against Kansas City, they rose up and they won a big game on the road against the Chiefs that no one expected them to win. I mean, maybe Maybe this is it for 2017. They need something because they're in danger of having their season fall apart. At a time when they were expected to get to the playoffs. Because they're in a tough division in the NFC South, and if they don't win this one, they're going to slide. And the Bills, same thing. You got the Dolphins at three and two. You've got the Patriots at four and two. And and the Jets at three and three. The Bills lose this one. They're tied for last place in the division. And they've got extra time to get ready. And Chris Sims has been banging on this drum of having a bye week is not really a good thing. Your first game back. We hear about guys like Andy Reid who can consistently win after getting time off. Other teams struggle. We saw the Broncos just look awful against a previously winless Giants team. And I don't think there'll be complacency because of the opponent here, but you could have the Bills thinking, oh, these Buccaneers aren't what we thought. You know, we we had looked at the schedule earlier and we thought, oh, this is going to be a big game on October 22 when the Buccaneers come to town. And now it's like, yeah, they're not really that good. You'd almost rather have a huge game coming out of the bye. So there's no misunderstanding. There's no doubt. There's no ambiguity about what you need to do in order to win the game. Ravens and Vikings get together. And these teams have had some some good games over the years. They play once every four years. They're the only NFL teams that wear purple. Not that that matters, but it's, it's something. Something to notice. The last time they played, Snowy Day in Baltimore, they scored like ridiculous number of touchdowns in a short period of time. The game goes back and forth and back and forth. And they played in 2009, Brett Favre's first year with the Vikings. And it was a really close, exciting game this year. Yeah. You know, the Ravens are, are one of those up and down, hot and cold. We don't know what we're getting from you teams. And they're starting to get some heat from the media. Owner Steve Bisciotti has started handing out votes of confidence, which That's never good. And I know John Harbaugh got that contract extension by one year through 2019. That was a preseason vote of confidence. That is a, let's do this so we don't spend the whole year talking about John Harbaugh being on the hot seat. Well, he still could be on the hot seat. And this team has had some ugly losses. And the quarterback, Joe Flacco, is having a very, very bad year. Career low passer rating so far of 66.1. And I know that people, oh, the QBR rating is more comprehensive. The, The QBR rating has led to some weird results. I quit paying attention to the QBR rating when the single game rating the highest one of all time went to Charlie Batch for 186 passing yards and two interceptions and no touchdowns or something like that. So screw that stat. Sorry, ESPN. Screw your damn. Let's make ourselves more relevant by coming up with a better way to assess quarterbacks. I'm sticking with passer rating. And when I look at Joe Flacco year to year, apples to apples, and I see that he has never finished a year below 70. And every year of his career except one has been north of 80. 80. And he's at sixty-six point one. That's significant. And that tells me that, that this is not moving in the right direction. And with the cap hit that would be associated with getting rid of him, it's more likely you're gonna have Greg Roman as the next interim offensive coordinator of the Ravens. Something's gotta give. And this is their this and, and this is an opportunity to push it the other way. Go to Minnesota and win. And for the Vikings, who no one expected to be four and two with this revolving door at quarterback, revolving door at running back and and just the sense that the franchise is cursed in some way. They win this one and go to five and two, and then they go to London and beat the Browns and go to six and two. What the heck is going on with the Vikings? So this is really an opportunity and a challenge for the Vikings to not lose a game that they should win. And good teams don't lose games that they should win. A good team will, you know, will lose a game on the road against a great opponent. But if you're a good team. You knock down and knock out the teams that you're supposed to beat. And that's precisely what the Vikings need to do on Sunday if they want to be regarded as a good team in 2017. Jets and Dolphins, last time they played, earlier this year. This is probably the first rematch of the season for division rivals. This will be the second time the Jets and Dolphins have gotten together, and it's only Week 7. Dolphins lost to the Jets which caused us, number one, to think differently about the Jets, and number two, to think very differently about the Dolphins. Because there was this sense that the Dolphins, oh, wait, could they actually be better without Ryan Tannehill? Could Jay Cutler be better? Could they have a quarterback quandary next year? I was starting to say conundrum, and then it became quandary, and I just screwed the whole thing up. A quarterback quandary next year. Could they have that? And then came Hurricane Irma and the week in L.A., and... Lawrence Timmons goes A Wall and yeah, they, they they beat the Chargers to go to one and zero, but ugh, the loss to the Jets and then shut out by the Saints, and it's like, oh, we were wrong about the Dolphins. Then a lethargic win over the Titans. They were chanting against Jay Cutler in South Florida. And you know, we, we, we love to come up with sweeping pronouncements and proclamations and conclusions about a team. So we can quit thinking about it. Like, like, is it that hard to think about what a team has done and where a team is going that, that we want, we want to bake our impressions as quickly as we can. Oh boy, this team's supposed to be good. Oh boy, they stunk in that game, stunk in that game. They suck. We're done talking about them. No, they suck. We're not going to change our minds. Don't please dolphins. Don't make us change our minds. We just want to be able to say you suck. Now just go over there and suck. And we can focus on the teams that don't suck. And hopefully they won't begin to suck because then we have to rethink everything. I think we as the media want the landscape of the season to become clear quickly so that we can reliably tell others what to expect. And I think we get frustrated. At one level, we get fascinated when we go through this dynamic of we think we have it figured out and then... We realize we don't know what the hell we're talking about. And then we try to figure it all out again. And then we don't know what the hell we're talking about. And so at what point are we going to realize, folks, and, and this is my message to anyone out there in the media who has chosen to listen to this and has gotten this far, which thank you, I guess, we don't have to make broad proclamations about teams. We don't have to have narratives. We can just sit back and watch the movie. Right. Let's just and I know that that at a certain point, if we become spectators, the fans who read us and listen to us are going to say, well, why in the hell are we listening and reading you guys? You guys don't know any more than us. And guess what? We don't. Hey, fans, let me knock down the fourth wall here. Most of us don't know. Jack squat. You know, I've said I was going to use some saltier language in this podcast, but I still can't bring myself to do it. Like jumping into a cold pool. There's certain things I'll say. I'll go hell, I'll go damn, I'll go bitch from time to time. There's a tease for you. That's something for you to hold on to. At what point am I going to do the cannonball into the deep end of the swear jar? I almost just did. But anyway, we don't have to have narratives, we don't have to have proclamations. It's okay for the narrative to be. We don't know. It's okay for their narrative to be. You know what? These teams are all packed together this year. And any given team can kick any other given team's ass. And that one doesn't count either. Any given Sunday or Thursday or Saturday or whenever the hell they play these games. That's the narrative. So the Dolphins now are going to force us to change our narrative. Because I think the Dolphins are going to beat the Jets. That, That was a lot of time spent on a couple of teams that, I mean... They really aren't inspiring a whole lot of confidence, but they could. And don't go to sleep on the Dolphins. With the Chiefs losing twice in five days, there isn't a team in the AFC with less than two losses. This is opening up an opportunity for a team like the Dolphins. It's setting up perfectly for a team like the Patriots that continues to be one of the best teams in the league, even though its defense has given up 300-yard passing games for six straight games, something that has never happened before in the entire history of the National Football League. I should go out of order and talk about that game here, but Falcons-Patriots, let's save that one for the end, since it's the Sunday night game. I'm contractually obligated, I'm actually not, to save that until the very end. Cardinals-Rams getting together in London, a division game in London. Rams giving up a home game for London. That was part of their deal to move to L.A., They have to give up a certain number of home games. I don't know why the Chargers aren't giving up a home game this year. Giving up a road game. Giving up one of their 16 road games to London. Todd Gurley of the Rams calls playing in London terrible. They need to stop this, all this stuff. This London, this Mexico City stuff, it needs to stop. Wow. Todd, tell us what you think. I didn't know Gurley was like that. But you know what? Maybe they do. I've been, and I'll admit it, for the past 10 years, as the NFL has engaged in this London experiment, I look at it and I say, hey, to the extent that you can get the folks in London, Nigel and his mates. (laughs) That's, that's not inappropriate. There's a lot of guys named Nigel and his friends are his mates. Is that an Australian thing or an England thing? See, this is when I need stats to answer dumb questions that I don't know the answer to. Stats, stats. If you're listening, does mates work for Britain as well? I thought, hey, look, this is good. This is good for PFT because you can access profootballtalk.com anywhere in the globe. So the more people in the world that love football, the more people are going to be coming to profootballtalk.com, right? Let's get more people talking about watching, enjoying pro football. This is good. Let's go. Let's do this. And meanwhile, the ratings are down domestically. And I just, I don't get the impression they're as worried as they should be. They had Media briefing that they do two or three times a week, and you know Joe Lockhart is the spokesman, and you know he's a PR guy, and PR guys, especially PR guys who were White House press secretaries, they're very good at spin. You know he'll take the the ratings and he'll spin them the way that is most favorable to the league. And now the way he was talking today, the drop in the NFL's ratings has more to do with the drop in audience generally for broadcast network TV. Well, okay, but where else are you going to go, National Football League, to get a gigantic audience to simultaneously consume your product? Because I guarantee you, the streaming option isn't working. I guarantee you, we're still waiting for numbers of the worldwide Yahoo-only stream of the Ravens-Jaguars game. When they did a worldwide-only London stream on Yahoo a couple of years ago, the numbers were released immediately, or at least the next day. Not really immediately, but the next day. It's been weeks now, and there has never been a whisper of how many people did, or more accurately, didn't watch that game. So they can talk about OTT all they want and the future of broadcast. They need the networks. And I know I'm an NBC guy, but I'm calling it like it is. They need NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC. They need to think about putting Monday Night Football back on ABC. Why do you want to put one of your marquee games every week on a four letter network that fewer and fewer people have not because of some stupid ridiculous notion that their politics have swung to the left and people are choosing not to watch espn because of that that is such a piece of crap people are cutting the cord people are not watching cable tv People are not buying cable TV. See, how it used to work is you had to buy all those channels. And if you still have cable TV, you got all these channels that you never watch. You can't do it all a cart. So ESPN was getting a windfall from everybody out there who would never watch ESPN, who was paying for the privilege of having ESPN because you had to pay to have cable. And they were on basic cable. It was a great scam. It was a scam. It's a hell of a scam. And now people are exercising the right not to participate. And the people who aren't buying cable, who weren't watching ESPN, aren't doing whatever they have to do to buy ESPN, to be able to watch ESPN on their phone, on their computer, on their smart TV that they just pull up the internet on. So the NFL needs the networks. And the NFL needs to figure out that you can't just say, number one, it's not as bad as it looks, and number two, it's not our fault. That, that's not the way to solve a long-term problem that eventually is going to affect your bottom line. That That is not a way to do it. And, and here's hoping that publicly that's what they're doing because you don't want to create the impression that the NFL isn't special anymore because if that impression is created, people will stop watching. More people will stop watching. I mean, one of the reasons I think people watch on Sunday is they don't want to miss anything. I got to watch the game. I can't miss anything. No, I, the game's on. I can't miss the game. I can't, I can't miss the Sunday night game. Everybody at the office is going to be talking about it tomorrow. When the boss, when the boss mentions the game, hey, how about that game last night? Well, I, I, I got to be able to say, I watched the game. It's a special event. I don't want to miss it. I, I, I don't want to be absent from the cool crowd. So I understand why they're doing it, but let's be realistic about it. They got a problem and they better solve it. And it takes leadership. And, you know, this is all coming to a head. You got the anthem issue coming to a head, and I don't want to get myself in any more trouble here than I ordinarily do, but I put it on the commissioner for the fact that it lasted as long as it did, for the fact that this thing wasn't nipped in the bud before it became a big problem. It should have been solved when it was a little problem last year. Instead, it becomes a big problem now. And the ratings, you know, it's 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 a it's a decent problem. The commissioner needs to be at the forefront of identifying what the problem is and solving it. Anyway, that's a long way to go to get back to Cardinals-Rams. I like the Cardinals in this game. I don't think we are giving Adrian Peterson nearly enough credit for what he did last week. The guy came in with three days. Three days. And he had under 34 rushing yards. After three days. We need to give this guy more credit than we've given him. Jaguars-Colts, who cares? Look, here's my analysis of the Jaguars-Colts game. It's an odd week, so the Jaguars win. Because that's how it goes. Now, they may not have Leonard Fournette. He didn't practice all week. He's listed as questionable. He said it was fine. The the injury they suffered last week against the Rams, it didn't look fine. We'll see if he plays. But odd week, Jaguars win. Next game. Saints-Packers. Isn't it weird to see the Saints like a six-and-a-half-point favorite at Green Bay? But Drew Brees versus Brett Hundley. You know, people are going to doubt Brett Hundley until he proves otherwise. He had a chance to come off the field and pull a Brett Favre. Brett Favre's first game came in release of Don Mikowski. Mikowski got injured, Favre came in, led the team to a victory. Brett Hundley came in and and uh I think it was 0-0 when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. And at one point it was 7 7. And and what better chance do you have to win a game than when you come in with a different style, a different way, a different, just a different approach than Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings had to adjust on the fly, and Hundley didn't take advantage of it. Now this week, you know, there, there isn't much Brett Hundley film that the Saints can study, but this is still a little bit of an edge for him. Let's see what he can do. Just the Saints have surprised everyone with their defense the past few weeks. They pitched a shutout against Miami. I like where the Saints are going. And it's so weird to figure the Saints going into Green Bay and winning that game, but I think that's where it's heading. And we're going to find out how good of a coach Mike McCarthy is. Remember last year when, when they went through that stretch where they were losing games and Aaron Rodgers was was being passive aggressive and calling out Mike McCarthy. There isn't a, a enough energy on the sideline and there isn't enough of a, of a sense that if you don't play well, you, you could lose your job. And, and, and I pointed out how that was a shot at McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers told reporters about PFT. Don't waste your time reading that crap. Remember all that? There was a point where McCarthy got all huffy and he started reciting his resume. Never trust anyone who recites their resume. Never trust the motives of someone who is reciting their resume. We'll see how good of a coach he is. Hey coach, will 2017 be a year that you want to add to your resume or will it be that will it be that thing that gets overlooked? Is it that that one year that that you hope that the future employer doesn't ask you about? Panthers Bears. I like the Bears in this one. Not just because of this, whatever weird thing is going on with Cam Newton. I just like the Bears in this one. I like Mitch Trubisky. I like what the Bears can do. I like the fact that people think the Bears can't win. I like the fact that John Fox was fired by the Panthers and he'd like to take a chunk out of them. I like all of that. Titans, Browns, who cares? I said something earlier today on PFT Live. We were talking about MVP candidates. The top four, according to Bovada, the genetically engineered cow, Bovada. Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson are two of the top 4 candidates for MVP. If I was a Browns fan, I would be so damn pissed. Not only can they not get it wrong, or they can't get it right. I can't get it right. They can't get it right with the quarterbacks they have. They can't They can't decide to pull the trigger when the great quarterbacks are available. That's bad. All these bad quarterbacks they've had. Very bad. Cowboys 49ers. This is a trap game for the Cowboys. Coming off of a bye week, playing a team that they think they should easily beat. Watch what happened last week with Denver. Look at what almost happened with Washington as they played the 49ers when Washington was coming off of their bye. 49ers got back-to-back weeks against teams coming off of byes. Cowboys can have a little bit of an issue here. 49ers, you know, it's one of those games harkens back to the the great 49ers-Cowboys games of the past and Mike Shanahan was on that staff, and Kyle Shanahan knows this very well. And, you know, what better way to start your career than to get your first win ever against the Cowboys? And they've had some close calls. My official pick is Cowboys. This is one of those where I'm going to try to have it both ways. My official pick is the Cowboys. I got a feeling the 49ers are going to pull off the upset. Ignore everything I said, though, if the Cowboys win. My official pick is Cowboys. Broncos, Chargers. Chargers winning games on the road. They're ready to play a home game on the road or a road game at home or whatever it is. Either way, I like the Chargers in this one. Two wins in a row. Broncos last week, they got to be doing some soul searching. You lay an egg like that against a horrible Giants team, can you really fix it in a week? I think Vance Joseph going through some of the growing pains of being an NFL head coach and uh, Anthony Lynn and the Chargers establishing momentum. I like it. Bengals Steelers. You know the one thing about the Steelers, and this gets back to what I was saying about narratives. We we want to have a narrative that we can rely on. Here's a narrative you can rely on with the Steelers. Every once in a while, they're just gonna they're gonna they're, gonna, they're just gonna have a bad game. I was trying to think of a color metaphor, colorful metaphor that wasn't profane. They're just gonna have a bad game. Now with the Bengals coming to town, there's so much animosity, so much passion. It's like a high school rivalry, a cross town rivalry. It's not even a college game. It's 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 the two. It's Tafton and, and Bakersfield. Right. This is hatred. And you don't get complacent in a game where hatred is on the line. I like the Steelers in that one. Seahawks, Giants, who cares? Oh, the Giants beat the Broncos in Denver. Big deal. Giants You gotta win more than one in a row for me to believe that all of a sudden this team that was the worst team in the NFL for five weeks is suddenly better. And the Seahawks are rested. Now, same same concept. Second week in a row, the Giants have a team coming off of it. By the Giants, have them right where they want them. Seahawks, Giants. I like the Seahawks in that one. Falcons and the Patriots. That's the Sunday night game. The uh, the Falcons still hung over from Super Bowl Fifty One. I do not believe hair of the dog that bit you is the way to get over a hangover. I have tried. I haven't tried. I, I I've I never have thought that that would be a solution. I never have thought that that would be that that would work, and it's not going to work for the Atlanta Falcons. I think uh, the Patriots are going to win this one, and it could be it could be something that they win easily. Remember the on to Cincinnati game after the Patriots lost to the Chiefs, and went home to Cincinnati. That was a Sunday night game and the Patriots destroyed Cincinnati. This is an opportunity for the Patriots to destroy the Falcons, to do to the Falcons what the Falcons are unable to do to other teams, which is blow them out and and not let up once they get the big lead. And there's an opportunity. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it might happen. All right. I've been talking longer than I wanted to. I want to keep this between 35 and 40 minutes. I think it's been 45. I don't know. I didn't put the timer on today. I've talked long enough. This is the PFT PM podcast. You wouldn't be listening to it if you didn't know it. Here's what I need you to do, though. They, they, they tell me that I need to do things to help this thing grow, right? I mean, I just want to turn on the microphone and talk. I don't know about these business issues of making a podcast grow, but, but, but you need to subscribe to it. Not just listen to it. So please subscribe to it so it'll always be there on your cell phone device so you can listen at the end of the day. The whole idea is we try to have it there by five o'clock Eastern so you can listen to it and enjoy it. Go and 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 I say this somewhat hesitantly because I know the audience. Go and, and review the podcast at like the Apple Podcasts or go go to that one. Go to Apple Podcasts and, and leave a review. And be kind. I'm not saying stuff the ballot box in our favor but don't give in to the temptation to say, oh, he wants a review. I'll give him a review because that's what I would do. And I think I know the audience because I think the audience thinks a lot like I do. And I think that your approach would be, oh, I'll, I'll show him here. You want a review? How's how, how about this? Review this Florio, you hack, where can we read and hear more from you? Florio, you hack. I hate you Florio. Tell me more. That's a bad voice. That's like one of those Chris Sims voices that you're really not impersonating anyone. You're just changing your voice so it's clear that it's not you saying what you're saying. All right. Thank you for your support. All kidding aside, most kidding aside, thank you for your support. All weekend long at profootballtalk.com. Sundays have become like our biggest output day because we just crank and crank and crank and there's news in the morning and there's news during the games and there's news after. And then Saturday, we try to keep you updated on everything that's happening every day. There's no days off. There's no days off because it's not work. PFT Live Monday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. A full look back at uh, the um, weekend that was. And then PFT PM Monday. Von Miller is scheduled to join us on Monday. Looking forward to that. ProFootballTalk.com. As I said, around the clock every day. Thanks for some of your time. We will do this again
0: on Monday.